welcome to the College Football Bros. I'm Michael Newman. I'm Ryan Newman. And I'm Trey Newman. All right, this is part three of our head coach rankings week. We did the ACC on Monday, the Big 12 yesterday, Tuesday, and today we're going to cover the Big 10. Uh, let us know your thoughts on our rankings in the comments below if you're watching on YouTube, and uh, let's just, let's get into it. So, Trey, who is, uh, well, actually, so 14, 13, 12, we all kind of had different orders here, so we're going to assign each coach to the person who was highest on that coach. So, Trey, you were the highest on who ended up number 14. I was, and number 14 is Mike Loxley of Maryland. Now, he is 8-43 and 43 as a head coach, so I went out a little <laughs> bit on a limb to, to put him a little yeah. higher. Uh, but, you know, remember remember two years ago they started 2-0, and putting up a ton of points, and they beat, they crushed the ranked Syracuse at the time. But then they were just dreadful the rest of the way. But last year they showed some a little bit of hope. They went 2-4 and four, but lost a game in overtime. Not amazing, but this ranking for me is mainly because of how well he's starting to recruit. They finished 18th in the country last year, which is really impressive for Maryland. I feel like there is just some hope brewing in College Park. I feel like he could at least, even if he's not a great coach, he could luck into some wins here. They return some production and could be an average team this upcoming year. Yeah, I will say he was last last year as well, but last year was kind of a dead last. It was like a oof, not good. This year... I can see why you put him 12th. It's, it's, he's, this is a pretty strong number 14 to have because you, you laid out the case pretty well there. Uh, but moving on to number 13, it is Brett Bielema from Illinois. Of course, he is returning to the Big Ten after a long run of success at Wisconsin many years ago. Um, and his Arkansas tenure, of course, wasn't good. I mean, it was, it was <laughs> bad, but it wasn't as bad as people remember, I think. You know, he did make three bowl games there, so, Maybe I haven't downgraded him tremendously since then and kind of returning to more familiar territory. So I, I had him 12th. I, you know, I'm not amazingly optimistic, but I think he can recruit well there. I'm, I'm somewhat optimistic. Yeah, I do too. Uh, you know, we'll see what happens, but I'm, I'm kind of with you on that one. Uh, all right, let's move on here, guys. Let's go to number 12. We have, uh, Mel Tucker, uh, from Michigan State. Um, I guess I had him at the highest here. At tw- <laughs> yeah, you did. I did. Uh, you know, I mean, eh, it's, I don't know. It's not that far-fetched for these kind of bottom three guys here. Um, recruiting, eh. I mean, I thought I was going to make the case here that he was low. So <laughs> it's going to sound like I'm saying these some bad things, even though I had him higher than you guys apparently. But, yeah, the recruiting is not that great. He hasn't really accomplished anything as a head coach before, only two years. You know, a little one year in Colorado and it's okay and not the greatest start, obviously, or Sparty. He's just, he's tough to judge. There's, there's just isn't a whole lot to go yeah. on. And, uh, you know, he can certainly shoot up the rankings. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if it didn't, but, um, there just really isn't anything to any reason for you to put him much higher. Like, why? <laughs> Unless you're a right, Sparty right. fan and believe in him. Like, what is it? He has not proven yet to be good or bad. It's just a kind yeah. of a total yeah. unknown. And he walked into a total year zero situation at Michigan State. There was, you know, you, couldn't have expected him to do much of anything last year. So I'm, I'm fine with him at 12. So that leads us to, uh, I think this is a, is this a typo? Is this number one or, oh, it's two, num- two, one. He's number, number one twice. Oh, wow. Number 11, Scott Frost of Nebraska. Oh, Frosty. You know, when Nebraska hired him, and I think as a casual fan, we're, of course we're Cornusker fans, but we all thought he'd be in the top five of this list pretty much each year. Uh, it's really 
kind of sad on our part. I still think he can be a good coach, but he, he just hasn't been dealt necessarily the best cards during his, his time there. But the fact of the matter is he's, he's just flat out underachieved and needs to do a better job at developing talent and maybe even upping the recruiting a little bit. Yeah. I mean, three years at Nebraska, the team hasn't gotten any better. Um, the recruiting has been, you know, the, the rankings are fine, but he loses so many players. There's been players yeah. transferring away and it's just, there's UCF, his UCF tenure is obviously incredible. So that's why he's not lower on this list, but, uh, yeah. it's hard to have a much higher when there's just been no progress. Yep. It's sad. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> it is very sad. Uh, all right. Moving on to number 10, Jeff Brom at Purdue. I am the highest on Brom. I had him seventh, um, which is pretty high, but he did a great job at Western Kentucky. And then at Purdue, he took over a total dumpster fire. They had won three Big Ten games the previous four seasons combined. So they were very, very bad. And his first two years there, Purdue went nine and nine in conference, in a tough conference in the Big Ten. So amazing improvements. He's recruited overall, uh, very well. The last couple of years, They've been worse. Um, they did have some injuries and some bad luck in close games, but still they've, they've underachieved for sure on the field. But I guess I haven't downgraded him quite as much as, as other people because of those excuses. Yeah, that's fair. I think maybe he's, uh, getting a little bit of a, a, a tough, um, draw maybe just because of some injuries, like you said. So it's an important year here for him. There's definitely some, mm-hmm. some production coming back quarterback wise and, I just also don't know if he's made some of the best, you, you know, you always talk about coaching aspects, like coaching hires, like assistant coaching. I don't know if he's really ever supported, been able to support himself with the great coaches around him, um, especially on that defensive side of the ball. So that's, that's a knock that I've had for him. He just hasn't had the greatest assistant coaches. Um, but anyways, let's move on here to, uh, number nine. We got, uh, Greg Schiano, uh, from Rutgers. Jury's obviously is still out here on uh, Shiano the second time around, but it couldn't have really gone off to a much better start than he's done. I mean, they went three and six on the field this past year, much more competitive than they had been. Um, recruiting is obviously much, much improved. You know, the, the year they got the class they got coming in uh, this year, uh, 41st, which is uh, definitely a big jump from what they were. But 2022, they're currently sitting at sixth right now. Now, <laughs> they're not going to finish sixth, but, you know, I could, there's no reason why I don't think they can stay up in the top 20, maybe. I think that's a, for, you know, it could a happen. realistic goal, which, you know, for Rutgers is a great accomplishment. So, I mean, Shiano's got them on the right track. Things are going smooth right now. Um, I'm kind of just waiting for a hiccup. You know, I just feel like a, some sort of hiccup is inevitable. Um, you know, things have been pretty smooth. Everybody knew they weren't going to be that great. So three and six was a, everybody's looking at, oh yeah, well, that was pretty good. But, you know, at some point it's going to have to really, pan out um and you know there's it's not going to just be smooth sailing something's going to happen and he's going to have to prove himself you know there's going to be adversity at some point in my eyes yeah well I, see. I, I mean, like you said couldn't be a better start right exactly right. and and you know any improvement will be welcome at rutgers and this is as good of a situation as you could ask after one year for them all right moving on to number eight tom allen of indiana you know, I really don't think he's amazing, but I just can't discount how the team has played the last couple of seasons, how much the players seem to love him and rally around him. 
they play with the chip on their shoulders and, you know, his personality gen- really seems to carry through, through the team. I wouldn't necessarily start a program with him, but going eight and five and then six and two last year when you're Indiana in the really tough, brutal Big Ten East with no expectations, it's, it's hard for me to ignore. Yeah. He's, he's done a great job. There's no doubt about it. Um, it's, I want to see more consistency for maybe a longer period of time here. Um, but it's hard to deny what he's done. I mean, Indiana never experienced a success. So any amount, um, you got to give Tom Allen a lot of credit. Moving on to number seven on the list. It's PJ Fleck at Minnesota. He's, he's a tough one to rank. Uh, he did a, a great job at Western Michigan, of course. And in 2019, Minnesota had a banner year winning 11 games and recruiting has improved under him. So there's a lot of positives to say. And he's a young guy. Uh, but his three other seasons at Minnesota have, you know, been, been kind of mediocre. So I think this is a, a pretty good spot for him. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of not super high on Fleck either. Uh, you know, that one good year at Minnesota came with some fortunate bounces. Um, that was definitely a, a very fortunate 11 win year. And you, sometimes you earn that, but, uh, yeah, I just need to see more consistency, uh, for me to move him ahead of guys that are just about to be coming up here, like the Kurt Ferences and the Paul Christs. Can't put him ahead of the, uh, those guys yet. Yeah, but I will say um, he was one of the hardest for me to judge in the Big Ten because yeah. I, I could make a case on him to be a little bit higher or to be a little bit lower. He was he was difficult for me to peg. Yep. Yeah. All right, move on here, guys. Let's go to uh, number six. We've got uh, Paul Christ uh, from Wisconsin. Uh, it's hard to deny success. I mean, he's 56 and 19 there, 37 and 13 in the conference. Uh, won a Cotton Bowl. He's won an Orange Bowl. You know, obviously Wisconsin is a good program, and I understand that people like say, "Hey, it kind of runs itself." A lot of coaches could go there and have success, and that's true. <laughs> but <laughs> hey, man, he's still winning. He's winning either way. Yeah. It's not, you know, so that's you got to give him some credit, and that's some very good win. I mean, we're talking about New Year's Six Bowl wins here. Um, so there's, you know, this past year they had some tough hand. Their quarterback got hurt, Jack Cohn. So they went with a freshman and struggled a little bit. I mean, they still went four and three. It wasn't like they were, they yeah. were awful. And they, they got hit hard by COVID. So, right. Yeah. So they had some trying times. So this year you kind of just threw that away. And I think they're going to kind of bounce back in 2021 with having a good year. So, I mean, I got to give Chris a little bit of the credit on this. He's done a good job. Yeah. I think. When we make these lists, of course, the three of us each make our own list and we just average them together. And, uh, I think when we put the average list together, it kind of comes out better than, you know, when I look at that list, it's better than even looking at my own. But, uh, yep. here's an example. Cause I had Paul Chris ninth. I guess this is just sort of a, a hill I'm going to die on. <laughs> um, but I, I, I really believe it. So, well, I, 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 I just think Wisconsin, you mentioned like just the kind of built in culture that it seems like everyone's going to succeed there. And my evidence for it is, all right, let's look at how Wisconsin coaches do elsewhere. So, so you look at, um, Brett Bielema, of course, he was great at Wisconsin, goes to Arkansas. And as we talked about, you know, it wasn't, it was, was bad there. Um, and then look at Paul Christ himself right before he got to Wisconsin. He was at Pitt. He went six and six, three years in a row. He was, he was worse than Dave Wanstead before him there. He was worse than, you know, Pat Narduzzi has come and, and upped it. Uh, immediately after Chris left. So I guess I just see his success, you know, more tied to the Wisconsin machine. But, you know, I, I, like I said, I'm dying on that hill. I don't feel like 
super passionate about it in that you guys had him fourth or fifth or whatever you had him. I'm not going to say you're wrong. Like that might be right. I'm just kind of calling it how I see it. Fair enough. Fair enough, Mike. <laughs> and I will say the recruiting, the, the with the recruiting stepping up these past couple years, yep. he could easily, you know, they have a good year this year. He might, you know, jump a few slots for me. Yeah, because that really has been the missing link to the Wisconsin machine is they hadn't recruited this well, at least up to this yep. point. So, all right. So this leads us to number five, Pat Fitzgerald of Northwestern. You just, you have to appreciate what he's done at his alma mater, given how tough of a job it is in the Big Ten. You know, it's historically a really terrible program, but just about every other year, he manages to make them relevant. Uh, they won, they've won a bowl game in four of the last five years, ranked in the top 20, three of the last four years, including 10th after this past year. And you know, it's just every, like I said, every other year, because just when he has a down year, you begin to write them off. And then he bounces back after developing another team into a winning one. It won the West Division two of the last three years. You know, it's really hard to predict coaching success, but you would think he would do great or or better things at a bigger program, uh, given his track record. Yeah, I mean, he's got a winning record in Big Ten play in his career there. I mean, that's just at Northwestern. That's that's quite an accomplishment. I had him at fourth. I don't know what Michael had him at, but... um, Probably fifth or something. Yeah. Yeah. We were, he's, he's a proven great coach. Okay. Going to number four, Kirk Ferentz at Iowa and, uh, things, I think I mentioned this in the, maybe the Big 12 episode, but things had kind of fallen off a bit for Kirk Ferentz in the early 2010s. I mean, not in a big way, but a little bit enough to where he was probably lower on this list. But the last six years, it's, been a revival then and the last three years in particular three straight top 25 finishes um recruiting you know just like at wisconsin iowa has up to their recruiting game as well so that's big he's just uh, a solid coach at you know not a a super easy place to to win big so we'll see the only question right now is we'll see how issues with culture affect him moving forward but that's about the only question yeah, there's, uh, you know, I'm an envy of it right now. I, w- I wish Nebraska was as stable as Nebraska or as stable as Iowa. So he's yeah, got a great job. Yeah, because they're never really flashy, but they're just tough and consistent. Yep, mm-hmm. no doubt. All right, uh, well, let's move on here to our top three. Um, leading us off, maybe a little bit of a polarizing figure here at number three, Jim Harbaugh at Michigan. Hey. <laughs> A race last year, and this is you, every, I think everybody would understand, or at least most people would. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> most, most people would. Hey, he's he's forty nine and twenty two overall. There, he's thirty four and sixteen conference, so he's still got a good record, still doing well. He's had a good recruiting class coming in this pat um, this year, so um, it's not like that's really slipping too much. And um, now, if he does have another bad year, okay, yeah, um, obviously, then we'll have to adjust and probably slide him down, but. I can't just punish the guy off of one bad year, and we all know the challenges that this year have had. Um, it is a little concerning that he hasn't been able to get the offense elevated as much as he would have hoped. And the other concern, obviously, now is just the defense. Like, that slipped majorly, and he let go of Don Brown. Um, but I have faith in Harbaugh. He's proven it at multiple stops, college, pro, uh, you know, different conferences. He is a good coach, and he gets his team's to a high level has he been elite you know close but not quite he hasn't been able to go over that hump but 
he's still a very good coach, and I think he's worthy of being in this top three. Yeah, what you said there about the multiple stops is what probably gets him to third for me because you look at the the guys we ranked just below him, Kirk Ferentz, Pat Fitzgerald, undeniably done very good jobs at you know the schools they're at, but we're kind of I'm kind of ranking in a vacuum, and I've seen Jim Harbaugh do it every single stop he's been. They immediately get much better, including Michigan. They were losing five, six games every year before he got there pretty much. And he immediately had them as like a top 10 or 15 team. And, you know, they haven't been as good as we expected and maybe even as good as Michigan should be, though we say should. They they had a lot of struggles before he got there. So four top 20 finishes in six years. They've won 10 games three times with him in a really tough uh, conference with, you know, t- tough division, tough schedules. He often plays Notre Dame in the non-conference. So, um, and the, and the point that I think will really hit home with maybe people thinking maybe he shouldn't be third. Well, I think you're probably going to be okay with James Franklin being second, who of course we're about to get to. Well, their records since Jim Harbaugh got there in Big Ten play, basically identical. Yep. So I don't see a problem with, with Harbaugh being right behind him. Harbaugh yep. is a little better. And I think rational rational minds would agree that if you had to start a program right now or you were needing a new head coach in the open market next year, like Harbaugh would be a guy a lot of a lot of schools would want and and would welcome. All right, so Michael, you you just touched on it. Number two is of course James Franklin at Penn State, and there might be people that jump on us for having him this high because of last year's rough season. But remember how unlucky he was early on last year. I mean, the, the close Indiana game. And, you know, even with it being rough, you you alluded to the records. They were 42-11 and 11 in the four prior years, playing in three New Year's Six games. He continues to pull in top 15-ish recruiting classes. And he'd, he'd be a guy that I think a lot of us would like to, to play for. He does need to get that offense back on track. No question about it, especially to avoid the, the pet Nittany Lion Boo Birds. But I look at him again as if he was on the open market tomorrow. I can only think of really about six or seven, eight programs that wouldn't want him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, and the, we didn't even, you didn't even mention the job he did at Vanderbilt. He's proven well, it too yeah. at two different stops, taking tough situations and elevating them like multiple, multiple rungs. At Vanderbilt, finishing in, the, I think he was, had nine wins two years in a row. Yeah, like you look at in four, bef- two years in a row. Before and after, it's just been not even close. Like they've <laughs> been the worst program, you know, among the worst programs in Power Five. So add that onto his resume too. Mm hmm. Uh, moving on to number one on our list, though, it is Ryan Day of Ohio State. And I honestly could understand if you didn't have him number one. He's he's hard to rank because, you know, it's only been two years and he took over. You couldn't have asked for a better situation to take, <laughs> o- take over. They were like, Ohio State was very strong. They're recruiting extremely well. Um, but I will say he's also since then done as well as you could possibly ask. He's made them even a little bit better than they were under urban Meyer and as a coach offensively he seems to be kind of Lincoln Riley-esque where it's just guaranteed you're going to have an amazing offense so because of those things I'm I'm okay with having number one and I did put him number one myself but I guess the one knock is that we haven't seen him just because he hasn't had the opportunity but we haven't seen him take over a tough situation and make it great so I wouldn't call someone crazy for putting James Franklin ahead of him yeah, I agree with that. Um, 
I just do to give him a lot of credit for elevating the program from where it even was. I mean, the only two year losses that he has are to Alabama, of course, in the national title game and then to Clemson in the semifinal the year before. So, uh, he, what else could you really do other than maybe win a national title? But that's, I mean, uh, a tough, tough, tough order when you're going up against uh, Alabama this year. So, um, not sure that was going to happen. And then, you know, LSU last year was pretty destined to win it. So, uh, he's just done a great job. There's no denying. I have number one for sure. Okay. Well, there you have it. Let's, uh, for the YouTube viewers, put up the, our rankings again of all 14 Big Ten coaches. Uh, Ryan, what's, uh, what, what are your kind of general thoughts here? Yeah, I, I think maybe with this conference, I mean, there's a great coaches in this conference. There's a lot of depth as far as, you know, I mean, we got Jeff Brom all the way down at the nine ten range or whatever. I had him I at 10th, 10th, and I still yeah. think, I, he's still a good, I think Jeff Brom's still a good coach. It's just, there's a lot of, there's a lot of good coaches here. But I do think this is a one where you can kind of almost see this list flip-flopping here. I think there's a lot of potential from the guys down low. You could, I could see Scott Frost hopping up. I could see uh, Jeff Brom making another run, coming back up. Greg Schiano might just rise back up if he takes records again. TJ Fleck at Minnesota, he's still got some good positive momentum going there. So I could see the whole them jumping up ahead of the guys like Kirk Ferentz and Paul Christ. You know, and Tom Allen. See, those guys flip and flop. So I just think there's a lot of room for movement here. Um, but overall, great coaching uh, candidates here. Yeah, I think of the three conferences we've done so far, I mean, you could make an argument, but I think this is the strongest group of coaches. Yeah. Um, you talk about having Jeff Prom down at 10 and even Mike Loxley at 14th, like we said. Like last year, yeah, this year he's a strong 14. Like he just had the 18th recruiting class. So yeah. Not bad. Not bad for number 14. So I want to, we were kind of alluding to it. I want to ask you guys the question. So of those guys around 10 to 14 on our list, who do you think, who would you put your chips in to make the biggest jump in the coming years? Mm. Oof. Like if, so if I, if I was asked the question, I kind of thought about this. I think, I think the way the recruiting has gone, I think Loxley has maybe potentially the biggest upside, but as a coach, mm-hmm. it's tough to try. It's tough to trust him. Uh, I might, I might go with Michigan State. I think that program is is too good to be that poor over the long run, but we'll you know we'll see. Yeah, Mel Tucker, I th- and I think he'll pick up recruiting. I think he was year one. It was we've talked about this. It's tough. It was tough for all year one coaches to recruit in this kind of COVID environment. But his first recruiting class at Colorado was very good, and I think maybe year two that'll start to show up at Michigan State. So maybe him. Maybe I'm with with Ryan with Jeff Brom. Well, I I already ranked Jeff Brom seventh, so you did. Yeah, you're you're banking on it higher than that. <laughs> but maybe I kind of believe that he'll uh, he'll get it turned around at Purdue. Like I think Purdue's in the low 30s and SP plus projected for 2021. Like I, I kind of believe yeah. in them. Yeah, I, there's just not one team where I'm just like that's not going to work for sure. Like. Uh, yeah, I, some other conferences I feel like we talked about. It's like, no, nah, it ain't. It ain't. <laughs> but I mean, Brett Bielema, even with me, like I could see him getting yeah. Illinois to be decent. I, I don't. There's For nothing sure. crazy about that. I could see Scott Frost finally maybe getting it to click a little bit at Nebraska. Like that's still possible. They have a lot coming back this year. Could they could be decent? Um, I don't think it will. But <laughs> trying to yeah. temper my expectations here this year, but. I just, I think there's potential here for a lot of these programs. It's a tough league, man. Yep. Okay. Well, that'll do it for our Big Ten head coach rankings. Uh, like we've said, leave a comment below. Let us know your, your biggest disagreements. 
If you're watching on YouTube, give it a thumbs up if you like it. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow with the Pac-12, the Conference of Champions. (laughs) See you then. You've been listening to the College Football Bros. If you have any questions for the next podcast, email them to collegefootballbros at gmail.com. To keep up with the brothers on social media, like them on Facebook at College Football Bros, follow them on Instagram at College Football Bros, and for their commentary on Saturdays, follow them on Twitter at CFB Bros. Thanks for listening.